Welcome back to Beholder to No One, a D&D podcast. Today, Alex and I are going to be discussing NPCs and bringing them to life in a sense. Now, every game has that one NPC that's not supposed to be important, but becomes like a pure perfection of your team basically your team just loves them and they're just like oh my god this person's amazing we'll save them no matter what do you find that in your games oh yeah definitely uh i've totally come up with people uh, i've come across people that i feel oh, man i need to save them no matter what also oh god this guy just do not die but get really hurt. But it never happens. So in in my game, um, my Friday game, that somebody else, that Bree runs, we had an NPC like that. Her name is Mildred. She is the hot cake lady. She makes the hot cakes in the morning and she was purely there because someone's like, I go outside looking for some food. And this hot cake lady ended up getting like the first day he bought a couple and the next day he bought like the entire cart. And we were giving this lady like 10 gold a day practically for hot cakes. And then one day she disappears. <laughs> And we have all these other quests to do, time-sensitive quests, and we're like, where is the hotcake lady? Like, we didn't even know her name. <laughs> we're like, where is the hotcake lady? And I told the DM, I'm like, I'm going to go search for a hotcake person. And I find another hotcake person. And I'm like, hi, we're looking for this older woman who sells hotcakes over by this bar. Where is she? She's like, oh, Mildred? I'm like, that's her name, Mildred. Okay, cool. Mildred. Where is Mildred? <laughs> And we find out that in-game, her grandson got killed. And uh, Mildred was in mourning. So we go to find where Mildred lives to go visit her to see if she's okay and find out that what happened was because we gave her all this money, somebody came after her and said, hey, you need to pay us blah, blah, blah money. And she couldn't because she already put the money down on a house. So her grandson died. or And their guards are calling it an accident. So oh, now wow. our entire party is like, we're going to find this person and destroy them. How dare they? But yeah, that's like our new current mission. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, we have this other thing you need to do. It's like, no, we need to find who killed Mildred's grandson. Yeah, I mean that that's um for us our dungeon master pulled uh Gilmer Gilmore from Gilmer's wonderful glorious ghost from uh Box Machina from Critical Role, right? And he made him a little different. He made him half elf and he was really a copper dragon guy. And you know, the rest of the table knew knew who he was. So this time, so they didn't know critical role was, or you know, what 
podcasts were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I really don't know. So I'm not the only one that is in love with this guy right off the bat. And I kind of <laughs> liked it. At first, Gilmore and I had like a little hate relationship where I just couldn't stand him no matter what. Uh, and the rest of the party seemed to love him so much. I'm like, I couldn't command this kind of love and respect from my people. And I've been with them for close to a year. But we just meet you, and I don't know whether they're like head over heel for you. No, there has to be some kind of trickery. So, uh, you know, it was me hating him and him trying to get me to like him. Uh, since little is known to me, uh, Gilmore actually had a crush on me, but I had no idea. Uh, so, you know, flash forward. We're uh, fighting one of the big bads. We're losing and we're in the city because uh, Gilmore was in a different city for us. Where Gilmore's at, and as the villain is about to completely curve something, Gilmore flashes in, manages to fend them off for a few, and gets us out of there. And after teleporting away, uh, the villain actually managed teleport trap for Gilmore. So whenever he came out of it, hurt, hurt so bad and I just felt like complete uh, a-hole because whenever he showed up I thought that he was actually there to finish it off, that he was a bad guy behind the scenes but he was actually there to save us and sacrifice us. Uh, so up to that moment, that's when Gilmore and I were really, really close. Uh, sooner or later, he actually reveals his feelings for my character, but unfortunately, my character did not reciprocate, which led to really awkward magical item buying. Oh, hi. Uh, ignore. <laughs> Completely go to the other customer. Yeah, no, it, it was bad. It was more like I would come in, like, hi, I would try to go to one of his other employees and he would show up and he's like, hey, how you doing? How you been? What you been up to? Who have you been talking to? I tried messaging you and you didn't answer. I'm like, uh, you're more embarrassing for both of us. Well, there's, like, you can see the NPCs, like, the growth of NPCs very well in, like, Critical Role. Um, <clears throat> Gilmore from that game is a huge part in season one. There's Alora. Uh, in the second season, there's Kiri. There's the parents or the um, just like NPCs they meet along the way. And in season one, like no spoilers, but you see these NPCs in this budding relationship and them all coming to help at the end of the day. And it's really interesting for that. Another Another situation I had is on my Thursday game, Roya, the Vidalkin druid hippie, um, and her crew and her friends, they own a tavern. We've made so many NPC friends in this game, and it didn't click how many until we were in like the final boss battle, and we were going down the list of who can we ask for help. We literally had like 40 plus people at this final boss battle to assist us between all of us. 
So we had our neighbors who were a homosexual um, couple that was a water ganasi and a fire ganasi that were married. Um, they were friends with us. They weren't in the battle because they weren't fighters, but they were friends with us. We had two um, private detectives that owed us money. So they weren't friends with us, but we called in that favor that they owed us. Uh, we had one of our players was a guardsman, oh, used to be a guard, and he worked on the force, so he called in a favor. We were friends with the black staff, which, or not friends, but acquaintances with the black staff, who was like this big, powerful magician over Waterdeep. My character's boyfriend, um, he was a really powerful person, so we went to him, and I was like, hey, can you help with this? Like this like thing shit's going down. Like we need help. So he sent us for assassins basically. Cause my character doesn't know what his background is. He owns a circus. Like that's all she really knows, but he actually isn't a good guy. <laughs> Go figure. But he sent four assassins to help them with their task. And they killed like all the, majority of the big bad guys uh, other than the, like the final boss of course um my another girl on the game her character was on and off with the guy we rescued at the first session so he called in some favors and pulled in some more friends so it's just like all these npcs that we had built relationships literally or figuratively with um like well, I guess they're all figurative, but you know what I mean? Um, either romantic or friendships. And we're just like, hey, we need help. We're taking on this guy that's literally going to kill us all if we fail. Want to help? <laughs> and it was really great. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We had something like that. But, uh, we We were dumb and we didn't have for help. They just some of them showed up and managed to rescue them. Uh on our on our last battle we did ask for help but we just asked for help from the very few of them making the fight harder. Afterwards in the end was like, no, you guys had to care. You could have asked people. We're like, what? But definitely after that campaign I learned to uh, build relationships. You know, ask for help whenever you need them. Because, you know, even though, even though you're a hero, a hero needs help whenever they can get it. Exactly. And and there's certain things that they can help with that's not necessarily fighting. Um, the, the neighbor example that I mentioned, we were friends with them because they built um, furniture. And we needed furniture. And they could build weapons. So we went to them and my character clicked with them because she's like, hey, I want a rainbow bar. Can you make a rainbow bar? And they're like, sure, it's going to be 75 gold. And she's like, deal. I will save up money and pay you back or like I'll pay it off. And um, she ended up giving herbs or something like she's kind of kind of a drug dealer, but not really. But she gave herbs to the. Um, the water ganasi because it's the middle of winter and he's literally freezing and his water form is turning to ice so she gave him like herbs that will keep him warm 
and it like it's just all role play things but it's just it's really fun to build up those things oh the other time we saw how many freaking people we knew was um we when we opened the tavern every chance we met somebody my character's like hey if you want to get a drink our tavern's opening up on this day you should come and join us and we had like literally like 50 people in that tavern it was insane i'm just like how do you remember all these people yeah it's pretty amazing how some dms can just remember npcs you met like one time two or three it's insane i personally keep up with it i'm like that's uh john too well, I love how, like, in, um, in like, Critical Role, I don't know how Matt keeps up with not only the personalities, but the voices of every single character. And they are so sporadic sometimes, especially, like, the one, there was, like, one episode where, in season two, where they, like, jumped to four or five different places in a very short period of time. And he had to remember, okay, what guard is there? What's their name? Who's the one in charge? What's what's their name? What do they sound like? What's their personality? How would they react? And I'm just like, nope. <clears throat> nope, nope, nope. I don't think I can do that. Um, all my guards are named Bob or Frank. And they just move around. Yeah, no, he's, he's insane. Uh- I don't know. He he wants you know. He's a professional voice actor. But maybe that's why I would never be able. I never. I never managed to keep up the same voice, even with uh, major NPCs. They constantly change. Like you spent a little off today. Like oh yeah, I had a cough. I had a I had a flu, or something. Yeah, that that makes sense. You just like. There and there's sometimes where you like start with a voice, but you can't do it again. <laughs> like you lose it. You're just like, uh, no, this is how I've always sound. You you must have been drunk. Sorry. Yep. All my dwarves, uh, like basically to me, all my things sound the same. All my dwarves sound the same. I'm like, just just deal with it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I can do personalities a little bit, but I can't do voices. I I don't even want to like try honestly. Like I can do maybe a British accent, but that's about all I got. Um and obviously like I could do a southern accent, but that's not really that impressive. Um personalities I can do a little bit of which I think adds a little bit of flair. My issue is I can never remember who people are. So it's that's one of the reasons why if we do a game where it's recorded, I will not be the DM because I would honestly just be like, wait, what was the bartender's name again? Hold on. Do, 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 do. Type, 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 type. Oh, it was Bell Bricks. Right. Okay. Bell Bricks is this. Okay, cool. I'm on the same page now. And like, that's how my brain works. So... It would just like take the immersion out of the story, and just to me, it would it might ruin it. Um, 
because I have to remember, I'm like, okay, who were they talking to? What does she know? Why does she know it? How would she react to this? Um, and that happened a couple of times in my Monday game that I run. I mean, thankfully the team seems, or the group <clears throat> that I DM seems to enjoy it, even though, like, we keep losing people for not my fault, but it still sucks. But they, um, it's just like there's certain people that pop up in there and they were really fun to play. And now they're moved on and those people aren't in the story anymore. So it's not as huge of a deal. <clears throat> Who's your favorite NPC that you've ever had? Um, so like my own NPC or somebody else? Um, either or. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you both. So, my own NPC is uh, the Granny Nun. So, there was this orphan that the group went in. She's always in all my um, She's always in all my um, But either she's a nun in the orphanage, a nun in the school, or whatever, right? And uh, her thing is that she's the kind of like the door keeper, I guess. And she'll let people in and out of the temple. She, she looks after the children and so forth. And the last time I used it, one of the team members was playing at the back. And she's really, really um, progressive. So she kept forgetting things that were outside her room. She kept forgetting things that were in other places. And she would end up going to long places most of the time the orphanage they were the kids. So the nun usually you know opening doors in D and D you don't say you would do it or you know in non trap areas or whatever. But in the orphanage the nun would always open the door for her and they would always have the funniest interactions where the nun would get super mad at the act like kitty, do you wanna be inside or outside? Inside or outside and uh she would always have to put this huge wooden bar on the door that was obviously too heavy for her to lift because she was straining and groan at it. And the fact she would feel so bad. And in the last interaction they had, she didn't want to bother her again, so she dimensioned door through the doorway to the outside. The nun saw, and the nun screaming at her how you could have been doing this the whole time instead of making me get up deal with it it was just hilarious for everybody on the table we were all losing um that sounds now <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny um <clears throat> and then i believe for character from the else's game uh no he, he wasn't a good guy but the dm played him with such a passion <sighs> i don't know played it like he played it completely right that I couldn't help but love him and hate him. So in the campaign where uh we met Gilmore and Gilmore fell in love with fell fell for my character. I was playing uh Paladin, the son for King uh, and father his whole family got murdered by someone in the court. He was, you know, 
out in the world trying to build his strength before coming back to deal with the people that took his family away. And fortunately, my art didn't come up until the end. Until we were like 18 and 20 at the end. Um, and it turns out that it was my uncle who killed my parents. But for the whole time, played this really supportive uncle that was completely happy to hand me back. He supposedly always watched over me. He always, he, he wanted me back because he, he thought that I was safer where I was and so I was stronger to come back. And he was the one that actually sent the letter out. Well, little do I know, he was the person behind my whole anguish backstory. He's the one that killed my father. He's the one that wanted to take the throne for himself. And while I was away, actually, they had a, a they had a, I can't remember the name, but it's like the King's advisor, advisor, take over the role for a while. My uncle decided I'm sticking because it was going to look too suspicious. Well, anyway, uh, by the time I got called back into the kingdom, I, the advisor had died. My uncle was trying to make sure there was no one left that could oppose him. He wanted me close. Uh, through the whole time, I was completely oblivious. No idea I was going to skip them, you know, different errands and missions, thinking, oh, it was this group of people, and oh, it was that group of people. And at the end, I had to fight them. And it was the hardest choice I ever made because uh, the DM played him so well and so thoughtfully that even striking against the person that took out my family, I felt, no, he has to be my uncle. He has to be, uh, you know, under so much possession. This guy that showed me so much love for the past couple of months possibly can't be the guy that slaughtered my father and mother before me. But it was, and it was one of the hardest kills I ever had. Yeah, that's completely fair. That's the benefit and positive and negative, I guess, is of working with a um, NPC that actually has a lot of depth, is you end up with situations like that where they have positives and they have negatives and they aren't just cookie cutters. And you want them to be this good guy. You see these good things about them, but you also know there's bad things about them. Yeah. It was definitely the worst fight I've ever been into. Uh, mostly because at the end, the two, my companions were all down. And I was the last one standing. We were so haggard and bloody that we knew the last hit we were down to one hit next at the land. Winted would not. I did not want to. It was the hardest hit I ever had to do. And to this day, sometimes I still think about him. What if I tried talking to him a little? What if I had done something better to save him? But it's kind of hard. Yeah, there was. Um, I think I mentioned this last week but it's fine if i did so in a play by post game that i'm in 
there was a situation recently where my my character is the queen of this kingdom and she is her father in the game isn't the nicest person and he ends up just showing up at her wedding and he wasn't invited so the i purposely made it so my character had like this this kind of like thought where you grow up and you kind of just want to please your parents so i I gave her that but she also was like hesitant because she knew she's been disappointed before so she was courteous but also like like for a brief second she's like papa you came like like for a second she's just like shocked and happy but then she's like wait what what does this mean what does this actually mean um but i've had a game where another character her name is kiko she is a avon ranger and avons are in the hematep uh or amaket sorry the amaket books where they are like humanoid but they have bird faces and they can fly and they're egyptian based they're from magic the gathering so she avons are Aarakocras, they Aarakocras mostly, but I kind of tied the take them together. Um, they have this thing where they are in a war currently, and they're from the material plane, or sorry, they're from the elemental plane, where most creatures are from material plane. And in the elemental plane, the Aarakocras are currently in battle with the elementals. I really liked that concept, but I didn't want to play the Aarakocra. I wanted to play the Aven. So I just kind of tweaked it a little bit to make it the Avens were in the battle with the Elementals. So my character grew up in war and was sent off to become better at war in a safer environment. And eventually she'll go back and protect her family and friends. Um, We had one quest where it was story-based and it was based off my character's story. And the person who hired the team was a Ganassi. Now, Ganassis are part elemental. Like, they are, um, like, half human, half elemental, I think. And my character immediately was, like, distrustful and was like, no, what are you doing here? And then the problem was, the person who was running it, he's like, Kiko, you recognize this person. I'm like, what the hell do you mean I recognize this person? He's like, he was in a war that attacked your village. Oh, no. So, of course, I am just like, the fuck? (laughs) Like, what? Excuse me? No, no, no. I'm not working for you. And, like, she immediately went into attack mode. She's like, I'm going to kill you now because you were part of the reason why. But, of course, it wasn't that simple. It's never that simple. Um the DM explained, like, he, the character explained that it was all a fake battle. Like, he's been working with the Avens this entire time. Thankfully, I have a high insight check, and I rolled really well, and I believed him. Like, he wasn't lying. But I was still untrusting because it's like, I saw you. I saw you lead a army of elementals to our village. Like, I, I saw that. You can't just say that didn't happen. He's like, no, it happened. But I was able to make it so that 
less people died because we had to put on a show and only like two or three people died when technically the entire village could have died. Um, and he knew like all about my father, my character's father. And um, he knew things that he wouldn't have known unless they were like friends or acquaintances. And it was just really intriguing. Like my character did not trust him for like most of it. And then it wasn't until like the middle of it, we were looking for something. And my character agreed to go on with the story or with the quest because he's like, we need to find this item so it doesn't get in the hands of the elementals. Which my character is like, you just want it for yourself so you can make the elementals win. Because it was like the first part of a group of items that would make it so that the war would be over. But whoever held the items would be the winner. Um, and eventually with like lots of role playing and lots of insight checks and lots of discussion, my character started to believe him. But at first she just went along cause she's like, I'm going to have, I'm going to get the items and I'm going to keep them and I'm going to make sure you don't get your hands on them. Yeah. Um, but she ultimately started to believe him and then it clicked that it was legitimate when additional player additional npcs came into play and they started yelling at him at calling him a traitor for working with the avens and were like give us the book and he refused even though i had the book he didn't like say give him the book and book he was like he refused he said we didn't find it like he was lying to them of course his persuasion or deception wasn't very good so they didn't believe him and my character is like you thought I trusted him this entire time and then I shot somebody else in the face. Like I aimed at him like I was going to shoot him and then I just twisted and shot somebody else. Nice. But it was it was really intense and I loved it because it was like there was so much story growth and there was things that like I didn't think about that was happening and I was like this is amazing. Like the story is insane and I love it. Um and we were supposed to do a part two and three, but he got really busy with work in school, so we haven't done it. And I'm just like, oh. and now, of course, my character has died and revived and become a cleric slightly. And there's a lot of other things going on with her. Pretty cool. I, I would have loved to, he to hear where that went. I'm going to try to convince him to come back during the summer when he takes a break from school because he's in college um, and see if he's willing to DM a game again just for that. Like, cause he enjoyed, he said he enjoyed it a lot. Cause a lot, the problem with um, that server is a lot of the games are very much based off a generic idea. They're not based about around the characters per se in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, because there are like a hundred plus characters. So when you're building a quest, you're, it's harder for you to build a quest for four specific people. Um, you need to build a quest for the four next available people. And you don't necessarily know who that is at the time of creating the quest. And you don't know a lot about them. It could be anybody and it could be people you don't know. And then the people I know that I've DM'd for before, 
they might be dead in character now because things happen. They do deadly encounters all the time. Um, my character left for a mission to help somebody, to help resurrect somebody. It was like as a favor to one of my other characters because my other character was on a quest at the moment. So we kind of just tweaked it a little bit and said, hey, uh, can you do me a favor and go on this quest and help my friend revive? And I said, sure, to myself, because I talked to him. Um, but my character ended up dying in that mission. But because it was a resurrection quest, the DM said, the, the clerics that... The clerics that were there agreed to revivify both of us or to resurrect both of us, the person we were trying to resurrect and myself, but only if we joined their order to repent for our sins of killing and stealing and all that stuff. Of course, my character was unconscious and not able to make that decision, but the other character was a ghost and agreed because he thought that my character would enjoy living more than being dead, which I mean, wasn't 100% wrong. So we spent six months in church prison, basically, <laughs> with these NPCs teaching us the right of our ways. And we're just like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. And then the other NPC took the fall for killing the mage because he knew that if I took, if he blamed it on me, I would have never been resurrected. If he blamed it on the other ghost, he would have never been resurrected. And he was, like, the most likely to survive prison because he was, like, the strongest of us physically. Wow. So we're just, like, we felt bad, but we were all in our own type of prison for six months. Surpri I'm surprised it was only six months for, like, murder, <laughs> you know? It's like Yeah, you would have thought it was a couple of years at least. But I'm, like, I'm not going to argue with you. That's fine. But I ended up having to take a level in cleric, which sucked. I mean, thankfully, I had high wisdom because I was a ranger, but I didn't really want to take a level in cleric. But it fit the story. It's kind of like, it's just necessary. I didn't do it for min-maxing purposes. It was just necessary at the time. Like, hey, if you want to revive, here are the reasons. Here's what has to happen. You have to take a level in cleric. And the way my character died was Cone of Cold. So my negative influence because of the death was um i have vulnerability to cold damage now and had like a constant state of like pneumonia basically but it doesn't affect me other than the cold damage and then the other player his negative was he lost his arm um which i was like nope nope give me my arm i need both i'm a i'm use a longbow like that's not an option um and I think he has negatives to con damage. Or no, like he has disadvantage on con saves, which I didn't want that either because rangers have a ton of concentration spells. And I've never played with negatives to your That sounds pretty, pretty cool, actually. It's, it adds an interesting um, aspect to it because you can't just... Basically, the, the concept is you don't just resurrect constantly. If you revivify, then you're fine. Because that's within one minute, you weren't dead very long. If you get revivified, then you are fine. 
But if you need resurrection or raise the dead, then there are consequences. And we did that to kind of counterbalance. It doesn't 100% work, but it's to try to balance out the constant, oh, I have a ton of money, just resurrect me again. So you have to go on a quest and there has to be a negative. Um, I ran one quest and the negative for the character wasn't physical, it was mental. He had, um, he got anxious if he wasn't around his party members and he would, he had to roll a uh, wisdom save to see if he didn't go into full-blown panic attacks. Because the way he died was by being hot-headed and storming off away from his party and rushing into a battle with other people. That was a much higher fight level for him. Like, it was a fight intended for uh, six players, and he ran in there with himself. And instead of, like, opening the door, seeing there's, oh, oh crap, there's a bunch of people, he's like, I'm pissed. I'm going to run in and punch them or hit them. And then he got killed. Um, so I was like, what do you think about this? Like, now you understand, like, you're, you have a small fear in the back of your head that if your party's not with you, you're going to die. And that's going to cause issues. And I don't, I only make him, like, unsure of himself and, like, RP-wise, he starts to panic. But if he fails the wisdom save with a one, he is completely useless until somebody actively comes and calms him down. And even then, like, you're still not going to be very good at your job at, at that moment. So it does have negatives. But if you fail it but, and don't, um, but don't get a one, you have disadvantage on, you basically have, like, a level of exhaustion. You just have disadvantage. So he tries to always, and I told him, like, you can roleplay it as much as you want. You can have, give yourself anxiety for whatever reasons you want, uh, roleplay-wise. I will only make you roll, though, if it's this situation. And it added yeah. some fun flavor to the character. So I really like that. So I've been using Mad Mercer's uh, resurrection rules, right? Where uh, you need to overcome a check, and you have to eat kind of a ritual, and people help you out to try and the soul to come back to the body. And I really enjoy it. And every time... You succeed, it raises the, the DC by one, and if you fail, brings you back uh, with the same spell, but they can try a different. Um, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I know some people don't. Uh, they like having that safety cushion where, hey, if I if I die, nothing happens and nothing will ever be bad for me because there's all these spells and people that can die willy-nilly. I, I really, really enjoy that. Yeah, um, there are, like, I have played in games before where there was a limitation on on resurrection. Um, and it wasn't just, it wasn't the DC improved. It was, you can only be resurrected twice. And you can only cast each resurrection spell other than Revivify twice in your entire life. Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. So if you died, um, you 
had you could cast revivify if you do that within the minute you're fine but if you try to cast anything higher then it's twice per lifetime which means people aren't going to just be willy-nilly here you go i'll resurrect you they're going to save it for what if i need it later yeah um thankfully i mean in the game we've had one we had two deaths um and one of them we could not resurrect because he did not have his we could not revivify because he didn't have a brain he was killed by a mind flare so we could not revivify we could have resurrected i think but we didn't have that spell the second situation we did revivify but the player didn't want to play the character anymore so it didn't do anything uh they ended up dying out from poison in their lungs or something i don't know something stupid um but i mean that's the game that i'm not in anymore so i don't know ultimately what would have happened last i heard they because i left um they started a new game with uh, newer, uh, lower level characters, which sucks. That, cause that was supposed to be our game for this, but whatever. Okay, so a little question, kind of off topic. Um, what do you think if you're playing a cleric? Who should buy the diamond for revivify all the resurrection? Should you, the cleric, spend them out of your own coin? Or should it come out of a party fund or maybe even from the other players? It should be both. Um, so when I played a cleric, I bought two diamonds for emergencies. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned it to the party. I said, hey, I bought two diamonds. They are really expensive. Um, but the party after like helped my character buy other things if needed they also all bought their own diamond and handed it to my character so i had like four or five diamonds on me i bought two and then somebody else bought one of each um but the cleric ultimately is the one responsible for keeping track of how many diamonds they have they can say hey we need to stock up on diamonds if anybody wants to chip in, I can afford one. And like, then whoever wants to chip in can afford whatever more. But I think the party should help. Um, if there's somebody who's super stingy and is like, no, I'm not helping with that. I'm not going to die. Then the cleric would have to be, the, the cleric would have to play their own devil's advocate. If they're lawful good, they're still going to help them. But if they're not, and they're like, oh, you don't pay for it, then I'm not going to heal you, then that's something they have to play with on their own conscience, character conscience, in the end of the day. Yep. So uh, I'm, I'm asking, it kind of came up. So in one of the play-by-play, uh, I'm playing this uh, greedy, dwarven cleric, more than, and one of the, one of the characters, well, I'm sorry, we just came into quite a bit of gold, and we went on a shopping spree. But we went on a shopping spree by ourselves, so no one knew what everybody else bought. And obviously, I spent my money in armor, weapons, some spell components. 
and I buy one diamond for myself if I ever was to ever go down. So anyway, <clears throat> flash forward to a couple to a couple sessions later and uh two party members go down and one of them was one of the people my character actually developed friendship bond with. So I go use my own diamond on them to bring them back. While the other character died on the on the, you know, direct messaging, he was asking why I wasn't bringing bringing him up the minute for his battle fight was about to be up. And I told him I didn't have another diamond. Which led to a full uh yelling match I guess you can call it or why I hadn't bought diamonds for everyone. And uh was like you didn't buy diamonds for yourself when I before we left for a shopping spree and specifically told everyone to buy diamonds. But uh yeah, that character that person died. He got super mad at me left again. So as long as you said, hey, everybody go buy yourself a 300 gold piece diamond so that I can revivify you if you go down, then I think you are fine. If it was a situation where you all went shopping and nobody talked beforehand and nobody said, hey, I need you all to buy your own diamonds, I can understand the assumption that the cleric would buy them because most people don't know how clerics work. In character... They would have no reason without you telling them to buy a 300 gold di- gold piece diamond. They would just think, the cleric can revivify me. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know what items they use. It's not my issue. If I die, they can bring me back. I don't know how it happened. But if there, was, if there was a discussion had where the, the cleric specifically said, hey, while you're out there, buy yourself a diamond worth 300 gold pieces minimum, then... The cleric, I would think, is in the clear. See, and I was. The party was kind of split. Some of them were also accusing me of killing him by not buying everyone a diamond. And half of them were on my side by saying, you know, he told all of us. And the reason we all decided to go our own separate ways was because some of the party picked up extra loot that they didn't want to let anybody else know they got. So mm-hmm. obviously they go off on themselves and spawn it off or, you know, whatever. So, you know, when it came down to it, I saved my character's friend and I did not say the other person he had no idea who that was. And that's completely fair. Like, there's... Also, there's, you would run into that problem if you only had one level three spot left, too. Like, if you used your fourth level spell and only had one spot left, you would run into that problem. I almost ran into that problem. I had enough diamonds, but I didn't have enough spell slots. So we had four people down, and two of them, or one of them was, un- was dead, and we were waiting on the rest. And, like, if that fight went on much longer, they could have died, too. And I only could revivify two people. If any more than two people died, I, I was I didn't have anything. I couldn't do anything. Um, so it was kind of like you would run into that problem no matter what. Even if you have enough diamonds, if you don't have enough spell slots, you can only revivify so many people. 
But I don't think that you were necessarily in the wrong if that's how it transpired. Um, and if you're greedy as a character, then they, the other players should know that and they should also be like, hey, I bought this diamond. But I don't know. It's like, it's case by case. I think if you're lawful good, the cleric would ultimately be like, I'll buy it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And they'll get their own diamonds. And I know in Critical Role, a lot of times they will buy their own diamonds. But if they're low on funds or low on diamonds, they'll point it out to the rest of the party and say, hey, I need some money to go buy some diamonds. Um, but ultimately they will buy them, but maybe after asking for funds. So maybe yeah. that in the future, maybe that's the way to handle it. Say, hey, if you want me to buy you a diamond, please lend me some money or please give me some money so I can go purchase them. I'm about to go get them. And then yeah. you avoid that problem in the future because then you know you have enough diamonds. Yeah, here's the other thing. In that, uh, in that Play with Book game, we're all playing kind of aspects of the seven deadly sins, right? So I got greed, somebody else got wrath, lust, whatever. Uh, it gives us negative, like mine. I can't spend more money than X for, you know, certain. And even buying the diamonds took a couple of goodwill things to actually buy it and to use it on somebody else. It's even a higher will save that I got lucky on. So, you know, doing that was kind of like even harder for my character. And, you know, I told everyone, and I was like, you should probably buy it, because if you give me your money, you might not see it again. But, you know, either way. Well, I just wanted to see what your thought was, that little... Yeah, I think it's case by case, honestly. In that particular situation, um, you probably shouldn't have split the party to begin with and just yeah. all been like, hey, let's go buy diamonds and hey, let's go buy this and hey, let's go buy that. But live and learn. Um, I can understand why he was upset because his character died. Yep. But I don't think it was ultimately your fault. He was just trying to point the blame on somebody. Yeah. Yeah, we were trying, we, you know, the game even said it. We can have a resurrection quest. It won't take too long. And, you know, if, it's a play by post game. So, you can jump in and out whenever you want. But, no, the guy got super mad that people weren't, that nobody was on his side on kicking me out of the group, I guess, if that makes sense. So, he left. Gotcha. Well, that sucks when that happens, but you can't make everybody happy. If you like the consequences, by the way, of death, you might enjoy these cards that are consequences and positive of natural ones and natural 20s. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. I used to use them in Pathfinder. But I haven't seen I haven't seen any for five E. I don't know if they exist for fifth edition or if you just have to tweak it and make it your own. But they're brutal. Like I had a natural twenty rolled against my character and my character literally lost an arm in the middle of a battle. 
No. It was like, roll a d4, the character loses a limb. <laughs> I'm like, what? It was yeah, it was in, it was crazy. There's a lot of them. Um, natural 20s are like, you auto-succeed on this, or you um, cut off a limb, or natural ones are like, there is like, basically, you. for those who don't know what they are, you draw a card, and if it's a natural one, you draw from one deck. If it's a natural 20, you draw from another deck. And there's a melee, ranged, or magic. Um, so you pick from those three, and it gives you a thing that happens, and it's completely random based off whatever card you draw. So the monster got a natural 20 against my character, drew a card, and it said, melee, roll a d4, that is the limb that you, the character gets cut off. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? We're in the middle of an apocalypse and you have, take my arm, you jerk. See, I, I played with some of those cards before. I don't know if they're the same one, but I got this one card twice. Uh, someone created it on me. And the first time I, it happened, playing a fighter, so it didn't matter because they kind of Flash at my throat, kind of bleeding out, but like a heel check was to stop it. But I would lose my voice for uh, 1d4 days. And I was like, oh, I'm a fighter. I need to talk. The second time it happened, I would declare it. It was horrendous. I almost bled to death. That's crazy. So the uh, they're called the Critical Fail deck, and they do have a 5e version. Um, it says it's, if you want the physical deck, it's $15. And the example they have on here, um, so this is pulling from the critical fail. You get double-edged shield. If you're holding a shield, make a DC 16 strength saving throw. On a failed save, take one d six damage, and if you're unable to and you're unable to speak properly for one d four rounds, spells like verbal components have a seventy five percent chance of failing. Um, or ricochet. If you uh, make a DC sixteen dexterity saving throw on a failed save, take the weapon's damage, and you are blinded for one d four rounds. Um, backfire. The effects of the spell are reversed. Any harmful effects are applied to you and the target replaces you in the spell description if applicable. At double the potency. If a beneficial effect is intended for you or an ally, a random enemy in range is affected. So those are some of the examples on one card for the critical fail deck. Um, now if you want the critical success deck me go home. Now, my... hold on. Can you imagine a disintegrate at double damage? You roll a one and it hits you instead? Oh. So it looks like they have a critical hit deck for players and a critical hit deck for GMs. Um, the critical hit for players, some of the examples are you slice a tendon, quadruple the damage, and the target speed is reduced to zero until the end of the target's next turn. In the knee, maximum double damage, low blow, quadruple damage, surge of power, maximum damage, and you can immediately cast the same spell against any target within range that does not expend a spell slot. So you get a lot, like your negatives are really bad, but your positives are amazing. So it's like, 
if you want to do it, it's like, okay, how do I, do I want to give myself those positives and those negatives or just the, or just avoid it? Cause that's going to kill somebody. It will. Let's see. The uh, the GM one is also similar. Um, oh, crap. Until 2D12 days have passed, you are unable to speak. 2D12? Yep. Oh, God. So the description is it adds excitement to your tabletop RPG com combat with our critical hit deck for game masters. When your players suffer a critical hit, pull a card from the deck for additional effects. But yeah, each one is $15. It looks like if you want a physical deck and I mean, you can get a book style PDF instead or um, print and play PDF for five dollars but if you want a physical deck it's fifteen dollars um i'm looking at nordgamesllc.com i'm not sponsored by them i just i've played with them before these particular types of cards before and i think it adds a lot of interest to the game especially if you are doing like an epic type of state game but just make sure your entire party is there for the risk and the reward i like it and i will be using it so on that note um, that is the end of the episode you can check us out on Facebook and also on Twitter we will be hopefully become more active on both of those things um, you can find us on pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found so Spotify um Google Play, iTunes, and Podbean, as well as a couple others. And just keep being awesome, guys. Oh, real quick, guys, a quick plug-in. Thank you for all the support and all the love you've shown me and on my leather working on Instagram and Facebook. I did want to let everybody know that at this moment, uh, in case you're looking for them, we are no longer taking orders from the face mask. I have a huge swamp of orders of them, and I'm trying to get through them before I take any more on. If you are looking for one, they will be available again in four to five days, so just stay tuned for that. And again, thank you for your support. Alright. Bye, guys. Bye.